Welcome everyone to How Winners Win. I am Daniel Blue. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Kita Spears, aka Haiki. What up? What's up, winners? We've got a stud in the house right now. Actually, I say the house because I'm looking at him right now, but I really wish you were in our house in Las Vegas because we love doing live interviews, Tyler. However, you are on a beach, I think, in uh, lovely Florida, aren't you? Yeah, a few a few miles away from you guys. Yeah, we're, I'm over in Palm Beach County. Just okay. moved here a few months ago. Okay, well, Tyler is one of those people, guys, that he left the uh, the country of California because California is essentially <laughs> its own country, and he moved to Florida. And I'm sure some of you guys that live in California, you're like, shit, I should be living in Texas. I should be going to Florida. Mm-hmm. So Tyler just didn't talk about and complain about the politics and the taxes and all the fun stuff in California. He freaking took action and did something yeah, about that. So. That's right. And my wife was uh, saying, you got to eat your own dog food. If, if, if you're this tax guy and you're talking about how to pay as little tax as possible and you're living in California, <laughs> Dang, she hit you're you not some... really doing that, are you? Damn. So wife so hit you with the, the truth. And, yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so we're going to dive into that. You know, what made, uh, you know, Tyler make that move, but just to give Tyler proper introduction, uh, Tyler's a CPA. He owns a company called MMC CPAs. And uh, he is the United States partner in Tony Robbins Global Accounting Advisors Alliance and a speaker at Tony Robbins Business Mastery Events. Um, recently just published his book called Cash Flow and Grow, which teaches business owners in the fin- about financial habits and routines that they need to implement in their business to grow profitably and increase the cash in their bank accounts. And he's also a contributor to Forbes and uh, just an all around badass. Had the opportunity to meet Tyler a few years back. He's one of the OGs in Arate, just a, a good all around dude. So Tyler, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Excited to be here and really dig in. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I know you're like the plug in, in the tax space and the accounting space and people listen to the show right now, either they're W2 employee and they got a side hustle or they want to start a business or they're actually a full fledged business owner and taxes is always an interesting subject. Uh, you and I can relate about that. Like Keaton and I are in the financial space, retirement accounts, sexy, sexy, sexy. Mm-hmm. You're in the tax yeah. space, which is even mm-hmm. more sexier, but Let's go back, man. Like, when did you figure out that the tax space was going to be your calling? Like, that was going to be something that you embarked on? When I got tired of being broke. So, I was, uh, my, my degree was actually in creative writing. Um, so, my, I came up, my, so my, my dad started his first CPA firm when I was three months old. So, I kind of grew up being raised by an accountant, being raised by a tax guy. And we'd go on ski trips with clients and, hear all the tax strategies and all that good stuff. But growing up, I never wanted to uh, be the guy who just sat behind a computer screen and put numbers into a box because that's all I thought accountants did because I watched the movies that tell you what accountants do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went about as far away from that as possible because I was when I was in school, it was like the run-up before the big 2008 stuff. So the economy was great. And my communications teacher said that studies show that all you need to get a good job is a degree. It doesn't matter what major you're in. Um, that's probably because he was a communications <laughs> professor. No, no slide on communications degrees out there. But um, but yeah, so I was like, oh, then I'll get my degree in creative writing. I can go by, write a bunch of screenplays. I wrote a novel in college and I'll go you know, make it big and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, 08 happened and I graduated and I was 
living at home, broke, and it was uh, not such a good situation. So, so I decided to go back to business school and still wasn't going to go down the accounting path and tax path. Um, kind of got a, a bug for marketing, worked for a marketing agency for a little bit out of school and realized that even the quote, sexy jobs are still sitting behind a computer, plugging things into a box. It's just for less money. And so I decided to, you know, give the accounting thing a try and kind of was, had a knack for it. I think when you grow up, you know, with someone in the family business, you kind of have extra years of work experience before you even start. So when I decided I wanted to get my CPA, worked for a couple other firms just so that I could, you know, kind of get a diverse array of experience working for other people. Um, and then uh, spent a few years with partners with my dad and, you know, kind of took that firm, grew it. And then with my move out from California to Florida, decided it was best from tax purposes and just keeping family, family and business, business purposes to leave California entirely behind. And that's when I start. like, kind of, we cut that up and ended up, I've, you know, got a separate firm here out in Florida now. Wow. So let's unpack some things. So yeah. CPA versus accountant for the people who don't know, you know, some people think, Account. It's like the square and a rectangle. Like an accountant can be a CPA, but a CPA is always an accountant type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So an accountant is basically someone who does your accounting. Uh, they plug your number, they, you know, review your books. They can do a number of things. They can do your bookkeeping. They can do your accounts receivable, accounts payable, basically track your financial statements. That's just going to basically an accountant. And then there's a CPA means stands for certified public accountant. There's a really difficult, big test you have to go through to pass it or to become, become CPA licensed. And basically it includes taxes, um, audited financial, you know, just business law, just a bunch of just all kinds of numbers and the number side of your business. So really the CPA is more a business advisor versus just someone who's plugging, plugging in at least a good one. You know, if you, you have a CPA and they're not helping you make more money or save taxes, you should find a new CPA. But so that that's kind of the difference between a CPA and just just an accountant. And then you have a, this other side of what we do in our businesses. Um, we sit as kind of a virtual or fractional CFO, which is taking the accounting piece and not just telling you how you did in terms of your profitability, but actually coaching through how to make you more profitable and get more cash into your business. Mm. Uh, so those are kind of the the different components of what we do. So that's what you're basically revolutionizing how entrepreneurs interact with CPAs. That's the mission. Yeah, exactly. That's literally our, our, our firm's why in terms of like internally is revolutionizing how business owners work with their advisors. So, it, man, so, so, yes. yeah, we definitely want to, you know, dive into to some of the strategies that can help, you know, the entrepreneurs listening to this, this podcast right now, but I got a, a juicy question for you and I think a lot of people can relate to it. So people that are working with their family, like what, what are some, like, what would you, what kind of advice would you give someone that is in business with their family? So you went straight to your dad's firm when you made the decision. Uh, so I worked for a couple of years uh, for other firms. And then when I had my, we had our first, our daughter, our, our firstborn, uh, it was an opportunity to move closer to family and then kind of, you know, work and partner with my dad at that point. Um, and so as far as, you know, advice for if you're working with family, I think it's, 
communication is it's true with everything in business with any partnership um communication is everything and just i also think it's important to have um you know there's there's in, i had a business coach talk talk through this with me too i think it's a really good piece of advice is there's your role as a partner or role as a business associate or employee depending on what your relationship is within the family business and then there's there's your role as family members and so it's important to not blur, you know, to, to you know, obviously you're going to blur those lines a little bit, but to have, you know, your business role and then have your personal life role so that when you're going to Thanksgiving or you're going over for the birthday party that you can just enjoy being family. And then at business time, it's time, let's get down to business. It's time to, you know, focus on what needs to be done inside the business. Yeah. It's gotta be, you know, I could picture the the pros of it, right? You know, everyone's in, you're making money with your family. You guys are going trips on together, tax write off. You know, the pros, mm-hmm. you know, are, are very, we did there. that trip to Hawaii <laughs> with the family. Yeah. Nice, nice little, nice little corporate meeting. Um, but there's also, I could picture it comes with many challenges because of the fact of that blurred lines of, you know, seeing someone as your family member, maybe it's your cousin, brother, mother, father, in this instance sure. where there's still that, um, you know, perceptive, you know, perception of each other where that's my son or that's my mom or that's my brother. And yeah. maybe when it comes to discipline, how did you guys overcome that? Because I mean, thank, hopefully there wasn't a lot of discipline actions, but that's probably the most biggest challenge that came to mind when I'm thinking I'm like, how do you discipline someone who's also someone you're going to see later for dinner for the, for the birthday party yeah. next week? Well, in my mind, it's so how I discipline my non-family member team members, I'm going to be seeing them next week too. And it's from a place of, of love too. And from a place of, I want you to get better and, and I want to be on good terms. So I think it's always just, you know, wh- whether it's disciplining up or being the one receiving discipline, I think it's just important to like lead with the human side. Um, and, you know, just say, you know, and th- like I said, what's true for disciplining with family is true for any, any, um, any one that I'm talking with and it's, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this because I care. I'm talking to you about this because I care. If I didn't care, I wouldn't tell you. I'd just say, get out of here. And so, um, so I think it's just having that, that heart in it and, and just setting expectations at the beginning of, of, Hey, when we need to talk about something, we're going to talk about it and, and not just kind of shove it under the rug. So, you know, you, you were doing, you know, some great things. We, we've talked to a lot of your clients that speak, you know, very highly of measured results. That was the firm uh, that mm-hmm. you partnered up with your dad at. And it sounds like, you know, you started working there kind of in, in the early stages. And, and you mentioned earlier, you know, you helped scale and grow that company. Um, what were some of the things that you did to, to help grow that company? So when we first started, you know, when I first got there, it was four people, including my dad and I. And then he said, I don't want to take a pay cut to bring you on as a partner. So let's start growing. And so, so okay, let's go, let's go grow. And when we first started growing, we did that through giving speeches at real estate offices. So once you've got some decent scale and you have a budget to do other cool things like paid ads and what, you know, some other things I'll, I'll get into and share in a little bit, but we started off by just cold calling, you know, Keller Williams offices, EXP, like all the different realtor, real estate offices that offer trainings to their agents. And we say, Hey, we'd love to come in and teach them on taxes. 
And every time we spoke, we came away with at least one or two clients and about ten dollars to $15,000 of business, which is not a bad hour. Um, and so <clears throat> that's when we really started, how we first started growing. Um, and then kind of took the funds from that growth and leveraged it into social media and building a personal brand and, you know, doing everything that I do on Instagram and adding value, creating content, YouTube. And then, and then that led to basically being partners with Tony Robbins, which obviously that's a good, a good way to grow is becoming partners with somebody like Tony. Um, And so it started with just giving speeches at real estate offices and we gave like 30 speeches in a year. So we're driving all around the Bay area and up and down Northern California and over to Reno and, Everywhere in between, given given speeches. Man, have you guys seen Shallow How? Like, I love that movie. Tony Robbins has a, 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 <laughs> a little cameo. Yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. Dude, that's that's, that's what yeah. that's what makes you realize how big Tony Robbins is. Oh yeah, he's you know, massive. Like, he almost like this yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's an OG in the game, right? You know. So like he's what I've just loved that you just broke down. You kind of skimmed over, so I want you to expand on it. Content creation was the step that kind of took you to the next level. It, in that little spiel that you broke down, like when you started producing your own content, YouTube, and I wanted to talk about it because you basically, you know, how I first met you, you know, throwback story at Arte Syndicate event in St. Louis, you actually got to go up on stage and speak, right? Yeah. And uh-huh. I remember, I remember you speaking. I was like, man, I'm like, this guy's a tax guy. I mean, like, I'm like, he's speaking in front of thousands of entrepreneurs. We're all, you know, like we're all, Arte's full of some badasses, you know? So I'm like, yeah. this dude's pretty badass for him to be up there. And then I followed you on Instagram and you start posting content about taxes and you like made it fun. And next thing you know, you're landing partnerships and you're just scaling this business to the moon. So like, do you feel like that creative side from your creative background and, you know, kind of m- merging together the social media aspect, is that the launch pad that helped you get some of these bigger deals and scale up? Yeah, I think it absolutely has. I mean, to me, what, what social media can do for your business, if you leverage the right way, is it's it can speed up where your ultimate destination is. It just gets you there faster because, and it's slower at the beginning because when I first started, so when we hired a full-time content guy, which at the time we were a one and a half million dollar firm, maybe not even, you know, maybe a little over a million. There's no, I guarantee there's zero CPA firms other than ours in the country at that level, having a full-time person dedicated to just creating content. Right. And so it was a major investment six to nine months before, of daily content before we even started seeing a dollar from of new clients. But then it was this, this exponential curve of suddenly like, then the next tax season, it was, we were getting 40 new consultation appointments a week. And then it was fit, you know, and so it just like, was just, then it was off the races. And as far as how it led to potential partnerships, um, I, I, I don't know that it was the reason that we got the Tony Robbins partnership, but I know it certainly helped. So I, I came through, basically found to- the, the Global Accounting Advisors Program and learning that it was actually even a thing because I was in another mastermind years ago when we were first starting to grow because personal development has always been a part of what I do. And they wanted me to teach a tax course there. And about half the attendees of that tax course and then that mastermind were Canadian. And I didn't know Canadian tax law. So I got a guest CPA. That guest CPA happened to be the 
Canadian version of what I do as partners with Tony Robbins. So he told me all about it. We cold emailed the guy running it because he gave me the name. And then we got an appointment on the calendar. This was in April of 2017. And we got an appointment on the calendar, but he's Australian. So the appointment in Australia. So the appointment was at 10 p.m. our time because Australia's for those of you who are geographically impaired, Australia is on the other side of the world. Um, so we were like, that's great. And then emailed them and said, hey, Paul, is there any way we could just move that up or reschedule our time so that we're overlapping during our at the end of our day at the beginning of years? And he said, sure thing. I'll have you, you know, I'll have my assistant reschedule. Well, three years later, we got our rescheduled appointment. But, but I was following up every couple of months and I hadn't, I, at the time, I mean, I was posting on Instagram, but I had 241 followers. I was posting maybe once, once a month. That wasn't anything. It was something I wanted to do, but hadn't really gotten serious about it. So I just kept following up every couple months. Hey, you know, I, we'd love to get that, that appointment back on the calendar. Um, hey, still haven't heard from you. Love to get the appointment back on the calendar. By the way, here's some content that I put out on social media. I'm up to 10,000 followers. A couple months later, hey, by the way, I'm up to 40,000 followers, so I must be adding value. Hey, I got this article in Forbes. I'd love to have you read it. Here it is. Uh, and then finally, in July of like, I think it was July of 2019, hey, Tyler, are you free next week to jump on a call? And I said, yes. I don't care what time it is. And we jumped on and he said, give me an update on your business. And he said, if you want it, the partnership's yours, just come fly to Vegas and at uh, next, literally like next week. And we made it happen. But, but I don't know that, I mean, part of that was the persistence of following up, but I guarantee that the credibility of having the brand and the, like that there was visible evidence that I was adding value to the marketplace definitely helped because they're all about adding value. So it absolutely has opened doors um, for in my career, man, that's a you is strong. That follow up, man. What a, what a cool story. I mean, I've known you for a few years and I've never heard that story before. And, uh, so I'm really grateful that you shared that story. Um, guys, Tyler is at like 995,000 followers. Let's get this man to a million. Yeah. Go follow him right now. <laughs> let's, let's crack the Millie. Um, but just going back, man, like as you're telling that story, I'm like, damn it, Tyler, why didn't you just take that appointment at 10 o'clock at night? Like who cares? <laughs> yeah. but, but then like, you know, the universe probably had it work out that way because well, you maybe you weren't prepared. I learned, so Tony Robbins himself teaches, and I know Ed, Ed Milet, you know, we're in Arte teaches this a lot too, that things happen for you, not to you. Yep. And that was a perfect example of that because at the time we had that appointment, we were four people. three years later, we were up to about 24, 25 people. Mm. So we hadn't, we were on the the very early cusp of our growth curve. So we hadn't built the muscle of growing yet and built the infrastructure to have a managed structure that could scale. And we didn't have the capacity to onboard the amount of clients that you get from a business mastery. I mean, Last last August to uh, August 2020, our, our event. I when I finished speaking, within two hours we had 750 appointments to to handle. Damn, we we couldn't have handled that when we were you know two people plus the owners. <laughs> like yeah. it just would have just yeah. destroyed us. Yeah. So having the muscle built over time, it was it was actually perfect timing for us to get that and have you know have that. I mean, it was still overwhelming and like this fire hose. 
Um, but you know, we got resourceful and figured it out. Yeah. And, and, and guys take note, what Tyler said is, is so powerful in the follow-up, right? Like did follow-up, they, they say what FU stands for follow-up, but FU is that FU money, right? Like the money is in the follow-up and Tyler could have done this boring, annoying follow-up like, you know, Hey, I'm here. Hey, can we talk? Hey, what about next Tuesday? Does that work for you? Like he could have kept doing that shit every week, every other month. But like, you notice what Tyler said is he followed up every you know few months added value. and then added value, right? Mm-hmm. Here's check out this article. Hey man, here's my IG. I'm at 40,000 followers now. I'm, I must be doing something right. People find value in it. Right. And, and Tyler's is, he's doing the work still, right. He's not just banking on it. So guys like yeah. there's, there's somebody out there that, you know, maybe it's not Tony Robbins, but maybe it's someone else that you want to get in front of and you got their email address and you want to keep following up with them, dude, get freaking outside the box in your follow-up. Right. And, and Tyler just dropped some gems, man. And, and I'm really, really grateful that you shared that with our audience. Cause I know that's going to help somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. That's follow-up is everything. I will also say influencer marketing is real. And what I'm about to share probably isn't what you're thinking on influencer marketing. So, so there's the influencer marketing of going out and, Hey, give me a shout out on Instagram. If you've got 2 million followers and that that's cool. And that does work. And there's a lot of value to that. But when you're, you, you said something, Daniel, about following up with that key contact early in our growth curve, we got a couple key clients in certain industries that were very influential people in their network, in their circle. Mm. And we got them in, did a great job for them, changed their life with tax planning. And I think over the next 18 months, they probably sent us at least a quarter million dollars to a half million dollars of business. And so find out if you want to grow and you don't have a, but and that, that cost us nothing other than doing a good job. And we just got a, we got an introduction through one of the early masterminds that I was in. So get in the network and do a great job for people. And that is the, that's the original influencer marketing, but you know, make sure you're paying attention to who, who people listen to and who people follow and I'm not talking follow online because this guy had, you know, whatever, a couple hundred, like literally like maybe 300 followers on Instagram or whatever, <laughs> who, who cares? But real he was influential leaders. as hell. Yeah. Like real influential. So, so that's what I, w- I would say is uh, another key component that led to a lot of our early success is, is finding those, those people and, and doing a good job, really, really good job for them. What's your, what's your strategy with, with Instagram, with, with social media, specifically Instagram and using that to generate revenue. Cause you've been crushing it and, and you're one of the best to do it in IG from, from what I see. So what's your, like, what's, what are you thinking? Like, what's your intention in using Instagram? I mean, the, the reality is that I'm in a position where my industry is exceptionally fo- like overly focused on the billable hour and taking an hour to create a post that is basically giving away tax advice for free would just make so many accountants just cringe because they're not getting time for the dollars. But the amount of dollars that I've gotten in exchange by putting in those you know non-billable hours has been crazy. Um, and so, so for me, the strategy with Instagram, with YouTube, everything is just if I can teach them something it's going to build trust 
And I also, you know, can and give a window into my personal life. So they know me, they like me, they trust me. And I can't tell you how many people have said, I learned more from you in one 15 minute call or one, you know, two Instagram and basically like two weeks of following you on Instagram than I have from the last eight years I've been with my CPA. And literally word for word, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this phrase. They say, and if this is what you give away for free, I'm really curious to know and, and can only imagine what you're going to do for your paid clients. And that's the truth. So we have you know, the free and then they sign on and then we're able to get, dig even deeper and give them custom value and you know, and tax planning and run numbers and truly dig into their business goals. But, but that is the phrase. And that's true no matter what industry you're in. They'll say, if you gave me that for free, what are you going to give me if I hire you? And, and it's true. So, so that's really the strategy is show them who I am. And that's why I chose to make my social media myself and not the logo, like where all the bulk of the content goes. Because in my experience, people want to do business with a face, not a logo. In the 60s, maybe it was more the logo. Now it's, it's the person. Um, so it's really all about having them get to know me and get them educated, which makes them easier clients too, actually, because they come in knowing some of the tax planning strategies that we're talking about. Whereas, you know, just someone off the street, that's a random, you know, person I met just talking to them or networking needs to be educated. So like, so that that's kind of high level, add value, and then they, they come. And I will say that the, I didn't expect to talk about this, but that piece about the education if you do content the right way, you will teach your clients how to do business with you. And mm. it's been so cool seeing clients that come in through Instagram. We've always been like, man, those, like, I, I would, would, number one, would have never thought people would hire their CPA through Instagram, but we're in a different world now. So obviously they do. And then number two, I would have kind of expected the people that came in through Instagram because it's just, who the hell knows? It's social media, right? There's a bunch. Of, there's a bunch of crazy people out there. I, you know, I thought I thought it'd be a mixed bag, um, but it's been <clears throat> really, really interesting to see how quality of people we get to connect with through social media. And then I realized it was because number one, you know, if they're going to follow a tax account on Instagram, it probably means they're a pretty responsible person to begin with. Um, but number two, they've consumed the stuff that I'm teaching which means they know they come in with an expectation of what they want in terms of our services and how they want to work with us. And, and that is so valuable in terms of the time and speed we get to get them up and, and onboarded into our, our firm. It's crazy. I wanted to talk about some content creation because if I heard you correctly, you hired a full-time person for content creation pretty early. I feel like before a lot of people realized how important social media was, and you did nine months of just everyday posting or everyday content creation and didn't see that traction in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to the audience about the fact that you stayed consistent with it and then how that really, it sounds like that was the beginning of that exponential growth curve because you can repurpose it. It's once it's done, it's done. Mm -hmm. So what yeah. was it like going through that nine month period and kind of keep doing something that you don't necessarily see results or dollars for? Yeah. I, so for me, it, I happen to enjoy it also like the create, uh, I was a creative writing major. So it was, that was like the fun part of my day was going and creating the content. And so that probably helped drive it during those early days. 
Um, and then, you know, it was really just about having seen other examples of people that have, have crushed it over time and hearing their stories um, and just knowing that I'm putting out good value. This is, this is really good value. And, and then just suddenly, you know, you just start tweaking things, tweaking things. And then I met a couple people that, where they gave me one or two little nuggets about how to do ads or how to do shout outs or like little things that create growth. Cause I was creating good content. What I didn't have was account growth. And so then about six to nine months in, I learned about account growth. And then, so then we start. then that started taking off. And so, but what was cool about that is I got all my shitty content out of the way when I had 241 followers. You don't want to grow and spend all this money grow on growth when you haven't practiced and gotten those cobwebs out of the way. So, I mean, I was doing, when I was in grad school, I have a, I have an old, well, I think it's down now, but it was, uh, I had a YouTube channel called Honky Talk where I did country music and beer reviews. And so, you know, I was practicing putting in the content back, you know, back then just on goofy stuff. So I think it's all about just putting in the reps in front of the camera. And I was doing, I was doing the reps in front of the camera where I had our secretary just film me with an iPhone before. So that I think actually my, so the, the guy that I hired on full time, uh, actually did an internship for Gary V right before he worked for me. And I was just browsing LinkedIn and saw Gary V on, on the LinkedIn resume. And he was, he was in local in town in Turlock actually. And you know, you know, Turlock, right? Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so hired him and then he came in and did the first shot and I did it in one take. And, uh, and I think he was, he was shocked because most people freak out in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. But because I'd done the reps when I had no followers and when it didn't matter at all, um, I was able to jump in, dive in and do, I mean, I've still continued to evolve and get better and figure out ways to, to do it. But like I did the reps when it didn't matter, which led to once we figured out the growth and how to really take it off, I was already up to speed and rolling. And so, um, so that's what I'll say about creating content is it does help to enjoy it. But you can start by practicing on a passion like beer reviews or country music or whatever the hell you're passionate about. Um, and then and then translate once you've got the the skills of communication down, then translate it over to your professional career uh, if if you're nervous about that. Um, and then, you know, it's one of those things where if you just stick with it, it's going to happen over time. Um, well, it, as long as you're good right? You got to still, there's still an element of, of talent there. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I just had a vision and I was confident enough in myself that I knew that if I stick at this long enough, it's going to stick and then just trying different things until it did. And then, and then boom, and then, and then algorithms change or whatever. And then that, that area that flattens out. And then you just, you're just kind of always searching for the new way to, to get your feelers out there, you know, it, to more people. 
So. Man, you, you guys, winners, you guys are getting a treat. Some fire. Yeah. And uh, what I really love about all this is we didn't prep Tyler worth a shit. Like, we didn't tell him what we're talking about. We didn't give him any questions like, hey, bro, we're going to ask you these questions. Like, we're just flowing. Speaking and, from the heart. Yeah, man. So I'm really loving, you know, where uh, where Tyler's coming from and, and him showing you guys some love. A couple things that stuck out to me, what you just said, and I want to make sure you guys, um, you guys caught this, is the way Tyler does his content. And again, if you haven't followed him on, on Instagram, go follow him. So then that way you can see what I'm talking about. At Tyler McBroom. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I just got excited because I'm like, oh, dude, this is, <laughs> this is what he's doing. So what he's doing, guys, is really simple. Like it doesn't matter if you are a realtor, if you have a lawn mowing business, pool cleaning business, you're an accountant, it Make doesn't good money at a W2 job. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Like the three things Tyler does such a great job at. And if you're ever wondering like what you should post about is either one, you're educating but you want to find a way to entertain and you want to extract a lesson. Like Tyler does a really good job of like, dude, I just got off the phone with this client last week, or I just ran into this person and they were bringing up this tax law. Like he extracts a lesson, he educates and he entertains, mm -hmm. right? And, and if you guys can do that with your content, then now the next step, like Tyler just said, is, okay, how do we get this in front of more people? And that's my next question is, what were some things that have worked for you from a growth strategy on Instagram? Like, what are some things that someone listening right now that has Instagram that's like, man, my content's okay. It's on Instagram. Uh -huh. But like, how do I grow this thing? Like, Yeah. Well, so these days growing, it takes money. It just does. I mean, you can grow, you can grow it organically using hashtags or whatever, but it's just, Sounds it's not going to get you there. The, the juice isn't worth the squeeze in terms of you. Cause people say, people love to say, Oh, social media is great. It's free. It ain't free. It's cost your time. So, yeah. so to, to, if you're looking at, and it, of course it all depends on where you're at in your business, but if you're looking at taking social media seriously, you've got to pay. It's just going to, it's going to throw fuel on the fire. It's going to speed it up so much faster and you're going to get so much more out of it compared to if you put all this content out and don't pay for some sort of growth. Um, so I'm a big, uh, there's a lot of people who love to flex that they never pay for their ads or do any of that. And that's not me to me, whatever furthers the mission, which is getting more entrepreneurs, this education and understanding their taxes and their numbers. I'm all for it. And so so kind of two big, two big growth hacks, I guess, if you will, that, that I've used is number one, uh, paid shout outs, um, which is basically for those of you who don't know, this was like the unlock that I learned from, I don't know if you know, Brian Nabavi, but he's, uh, he's in Arte and he, he, we were having lunch and he was like, you gotta try this out. But, um, and then I took it and ran with it. And, and he basically just go find influential accounts that have good followings that are like your prospect, their following is similar to your prospective following and go reach out to them and say, Hey, what do you charge for a shout out? Or, you know, can you, you know, share my page and then you pay them a few bucks and then they shout it out. Now you don't want to go to, you know, Kim Kardashian's page and say, Hey, can you know, she'll charge you a lot and it won't be targeted. So don't, you know, don't go to, you know, if you're, if you're in financial services, don't go to some, you know, makeup girls page, even if she has 3 million followers, those aren't going to be good followers, but you know, find someone else who's in that space and then go reach out. And that's what, when people teach about, you may have, may have heard the term like collaborate mm -hmm. with others, collaborate with people. Well, you can collaborate with people for free that are of similar followings. But if, if you're, you know, where you basically exchange shout outs for each other, 
But if you've got 500 followers and they've got 500 followers, you're going to have to do that a whole bunch of times to get any sort of traction. And and then then if you're really giving it quid pro quo, then your audience is just going to see you shouting out a bunch of random people that have 500 followers. And that's that dilutes your brand too. So the paid collaboration in my mind is you're exchanging value, meaning they're, you're getting their audience and you're paying for that. So that's one area. Um, the other area is just simply going straight to, to paid ads and Facebook and Instagram, the audiences that you can create in there in terms of getting super granular with, with your exact target client. Like I have a small business owners in the United States audience that I use and it's ages 20 to 48 and you go in their interests and they're interested in small business. They're interested in real estate. They're interested in investing. They're interested in like all you name all these interests that there are so that you can get a super crystal clear target. And then you just go boost your posts or go run ads directly to that audience. And they start seeing you and becoming familiar. And the way that I've done it, it's less direct mail. And I could probably do a little bit more direct where meaning like book this call. But for me, it's always been create an educational piece that adds value. Just sponsor that post. If they find enough value in that post, they're going to follow me. And then I get the opportunity to build a relationship. Mm. I and like that, that. And that's what's that's what's worked for me over time. So it's more of a slow burn. It's less of a, you know, it's more of a put a dollar in now to get a do- get twenty dollars back six months from now than it is a put a dollar in now to get five dollars back in two weeks. The long game. Yeah, I literally yeah. was going to say that. I the mean, long like, game. That that that's been the theme so far, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it took you three years to you know finally get on board with Tony Robbins, and uh, that's the freaking long game and content creation and and everything that you've just explained. Um, let, let's dive into since you're you know you got this really cool program. Uh, it's called Cash Profit Accelerator, and guys, you should go check that out. Go uh, go hit up uh, Tyler's Instagram at Tyler McBroom, or you can just go to TylerMcBroom dot uh, But this this program that uh, Tyler has it it helps entrepreneurs just get more money in their pocket and and really maximize the tax code. Um, so I know you see a bunch of P and Ls. You have a bunch of conversations with people about cash flow mm-hmm. and and debt and all the fun stuff that you know us business owners have to deal with. What are some big mistakes that or the top, the most frequent mistakes that you've seen over the years that the entrepreneurs make when it comes to, you know, managing their finances? Yeah. So I would say the number one biggest, maybe not most common, but biggest mistake that I, I see, unfortunately, too often is business owners get once they, especially when they start a new business, they get too busy running their business and they never file or pay their taxes. And then suddenly three or four years has gone by and they look up and they go, oh crap, I, I haven't paid my taxes. And they get this huge tax bill and then they're just treading water just to stay afloat or it puts them out of business or they're just trying they have to get on a payment plan and it just sinks them. So number one advice, if you're just starting a business, because most, most, most people are W-2s for their whole life and then they go start a business. And when you're a W-2 you get your taxes taken out for you. And then you usually get a refund. So filing your taxes means getting money back. When you're a business owner, you don't have withholdings. So you don't get no refund, which is why most business owners go on extension. But that is my number one. Even if, you know, find out, set aside money in the beginning, certain, you know, 20 to 25% of your revenue 
and file your taxes and pay your taxes. That's the first thing I'd say. Just make sure you do that as a foundation. And that's not sexy, but it's important. Well, but it's playing the long game though, Tyler. If, if I don't file my taxes this year or next year and I'm not paying taxes, I'm just playing the long game. I'm just kicking down the... the, yeah. the <laughs> that's not the, the long, long game. That's the, not the yeah, long game, Tyler. Long game. Yeah. That's the long tail. Tyler that's is not... Jail. He, he's, not <laughs> he's not talking about that, guys. So <laughs> Time served. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so go file, um, go file your taxes. So number two, beyond that, once we've established the ground rules of make sure you file your damn taxes... Um, have a good set of books. So most most business owners kind of do what I call manage by bank balance, which is every morning when they pour themselves, especially in the early phases when they're eking by, you know, you pour yourself a cup of coffee, log into your bank, and if there's money in it, you spend it. If there's not, you don't. And you need to have a good set of books. So, and that means just get something like QuickBooks, super simple. You can link your bank account. And if you know you're not going to do it, just pay pay a few bucks for a bookkeeper to do it for you. And just update your numbers on a regular basis, reconcile your accounts so that you know they're accurate. Because that does two things. Number one, every dollar you miss as a deduction is potentially up to 50 cents you're paying in taxes. So if you don't keep your books accurate and you miss $5,000 of expenses, that's, a, that's over $2,000 you're throwing away to Uncle Sam for not keeping your books. So having a good set of books is a profit center for you. The other thing it does is making decisions from a, a, set, like a financial point of view, not just because it feels good, is the first foundational step in making that transition from being just an operator who is really good at what you do and happen to go start a business to being a true business owner where you're making decisions from a financial standpoint of view of, is it the right financial decision? Can I afford this? What's my cash flow look like? You have to have a good set of books as a foundation of doing all those things. So, so I can't emphasize enough how important it is to either do it and take, take 30 minutes to set it up and link your bank accounts and then take five minutes a day just to click import and tra- track your, your transactions or if you know that that's not you and you're not going to do it, hire someone to do it. Yeah, go. go. And I get it. I'm an accountant and I hate doing my books. Yeah, go. So go. I feel you, but do it. <laughs> yeah, go hire, go hire Tyler, guys. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and um, like they're still doing their own books. Mm-hmm. And, and he's doing sales calls and, you know, doing videos and social doing media. Everything. Yeah. And I'm just like, the way I broke it down, I'm like, dude, okay. You know, because he didn't want to pay the money, right? And most of you guys, if you're if you're this person, you don't want to pay the money either, right? You look at it as an expense. But I'm like, okay, let's just say it costs you 500 bucks, maybe a thousand dollars a month to have someone do your books, right? Just like basic, just data entry, right, bro? The time you spend doing data entry, do you think you can make more than a thousand dollars a month? Like, duh, yeah, yeah. So like, it's not an expense, guys. It's an investment, and and what yeah. Tyler's saying, it's an is, opportunity. Cost. Yeah, it's so freaking valuable. Uh, what, what you're saying, Tyler, and I'm really glad that you're you're bringing that point up. Yeah, absolutely. So, so have a good set of books, file your taxes, and then and then the other thing, just from a high level philosophy standpoint, is do tax planning. So, most people are going, "What what's tax planning? What do you mean? I don't know." And that's because they think that the time of year to meet with your CPA is tax return filing time. You know, it's February, March. Super Bowl just came on. I saw the TurboTax commercial. It reminded me that I need to print out all my bank statements, get my shoebox of death of receipts and drop them off at my accountant's desk. 
so they could fill out a tax return and tell me how well I didn't, did or didn't do last year and what I owe in taxes. That's actually the least effective time to meet with us. A, because it's the time of year everyone thinks they're supposed to meet with us, so we're slammed and busy and stressed out. B, all we are at that point is historians filling out the forms. And if that's all you're going to use your CPA for, you might as well go use TurboTax or H&R Block or whoever. Your best use of your CPA from a tax point of view is to meet before year end and do tax planning. And what we do with that is we run year to date numbers. So like right now is heavy, heavy tax planning season for us. So we run like January to October numbers, see where you're at. And then we say, what are you going to make the last two months of the year? And then, so we plug in what you're going to make for the year into our tax software. And we say, okay, if you do nothing, you're going to owe X in taxes. Say it's 50 grand. Let's do one, two, three action items so that you owe 20 grand or 10 grand or $0 in taxes. So that's where you make a profit on us. Because if, if, when we meet before year end, then we can give you a list of action items. Like get your kids on the payroll, let's hire them, you can get 12 grand a year tax free. Start holding shareholder meeting, board meetings at your house and renting it out to your company so you can get a few grand a year tax free doing that. You know, maybe prepay some expenses. If you're looking at buying a truck, buy that truck before the end of the year. But we need to have those conversations in order to save you that money. So do tax planning. Mm. So you dropped a, um, actually something I want to talk about, Augusta rule. So yes. pe- people have heard the Augusta rule now. It's getting more you know popular now that people are, are you know follow you like Tyler McBroom. You hear about the Augusta rule on your page. Mm-hmm. Can you tell our audience what the Augusta rule is and why they should have a share meeting at their shareholder meeting at their house? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's funny. Every, it's, this is this is the strategy that is like the most popular, even though it's only a few grand a year for most people, but it's just, <laughs> people just love it because it's just free money from the, you know, you just get money from the IRS. So, um, so the Augusta rule is, it's a rule in the IRS code that says, if you own your home, now you can have a mortgage on it, but if you own it, it's your principal residence, you can rent that home up to 14 days per year tax-free. And it's called the Augusta rule because every year when the Masters Golf Tournament comes to Augusta, Georgia, everyone who lives there clears out of town because they could get a pretty penny renting out their home for the, the people visiting in town. And, and so the IRS says, you know, if it's your home and you're renting it for less than 15 calendar days a year, you're not really in the business of renting, so we'll just give it to you tax-free. And so what we have a lot of our clients do and what you know, people who follow me and have seen this do is you hold a monthly shareholder board meeting at your house and you rent your house out to your business for the use of that shareholder board meeting. So you cut a check from your business account to your personal account. It's deductible to your business. So you save the taxes on that and it's tax-free rental income to you. And so let's say if your home's worth $500,000, you $500 per meeting. 14 meetings a year, $7,000 tax-free out of your business just for cutting a few checks and holding, holding meetings at your house. Ooh, replay that, guys. <laughs> yeah. That's- so now the key is, there's a couple keys because we've had this audited and won and audited and lost. So there's everything's a deduction until you get audited. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure things hold up the right way, right? So you actually have to have an office outside of your house because if you're only working from home, then by definition, you're using it your business is using it more than 14 days per year. The other thing is document, document, document. So you need to actually move the money from the business account to the checking account or to your personal account. Now that can be an electronic transfer. It can be a physical check you cut, but you need to see a paper trail moving that money. And then you need to document your minutes of the items that you discussed with yourself 
you know, this, this strategy works even better if you have a split personality, which in my experience, most entrepreneurs do. Oh, I know yeah. I do. Oh, yeah, we do. Um, so the, the items that you discussed with yourself or your partners, if you've got partners, just write them down on a piece of paper, you know, set, set next quarter's goals, decided to hire a new staff in this department, uh, set a marketing budget, set a, you know, annual uh, business budget, whatever those things are. You're already thinking about, you know, your business at home all the time. I guarantee you. So now we're just documenting some of it on paper and getting some tax-free money out of the business for doing so. Love it. Well, we, uh, the, the other one, I'm glad you brought up the Augusta rule because I really wanted to bring that up. And, and the last thing I wanted to bring up in terms of like geeky tax code that can put a lot of money in your guys' pocket, the whole concept of paying your kid. Yeah. Can, can you run that through us? Sure. So the other small IRS tax code uh, little little line that we like is uh, it says, if you hire your under 18 children out of a sole proprietorship, uh, there's no payroll taxes on those wages. Normally, if you pay an employee, you've got to pay 15 to 18% payroll taxes on those wages. So if you hire under 18 children out of a sole prop, then there's no payroll taxes. And a child under current tax law can earn in 2021, can earn up to $12,550 tax-free, in, at least at the federal level. And depending on your state, you may have some small state taxes. So you can hire your kids, put them on the payroll. Now there's some right ways and wrong ways to do it. You know, if you have an S corporation or a C corporation, you want to make sure you get a tax ID number. That's a sole proprietorship so that you move money from your corporate account to your personal account and then to the kids names. So you save those payroll taxes. And that's where a lot of people do it wrong. They just say, Oh, put the kids on the payroll and they put it out of their corporation. And then that that's fine. You still get the income tax deduction, but you have to pay payroll taxes on that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> So 12,000 plus tax-free per year. So you have to actually pay them just like with the, the rent, right? We need to see them paid. You have to issue W-2s and payroll tax forms and they actually have to do something for those wages. So those of you who have you know, teenagers, that's easy. Let's bring them door knocking. If you're in sales, they can help file some papers, do some admin work. But what, I got an 18 month old. What do I do with my 18 month old? How can they earn 12 grand a year? So what a lot of our what you, we, a lot of our clients and business owners out there do will hire their kids as models for their social media pages and websites. So people that love doing business with a family man or family woman, it helps with your brand. Like, it, like we talked about earlier on the social media strategy, if they know you, they like you and trust you. That includes knowing your family if that's part of your social media strategy. And so, um, so that's a good way to consider, you know, looking at what are kind of going rates for, you know, model shoots and, and seeing how you can justify that, those dollars. Man, I, I love that. It's, 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 <laughs> get, it's getting creative guys and, and it's working with, uh, you know, awesome entrepreneurs and people that think outside the box like Tyler. So, so some good, good uh, tax deductions right there for the entrepreneurs. That's right. So one, one thing I got to ask is, is about crypto. You know, so we okay. talked about this beforehand. So crypto seems like, you know, with everything running up the way it is, you know, look at any of the meme coins or any of the stuff people have made money yeah. this year, you know, from yeah. 2020 to 2021. And a lot of these people are starting to sell now because things are starting to get a little bit more back to normal. What does mm -hmm. that mean at the end of the day? Like obviously file your taxes, but what does that mean in this whole new unregistered decentralized finance world? 
Yeah. So this is where that whole advice at the very beginning of this tax section of file your damn taxes comes into play. This is going to be especially critical for crypto because there's a whole bunch of W-2 employees that are non-business owners that aren't used to hold having withholdings taken out of their paycheck. That's going to either hammer them when they do file or they're going to not file or report it at all. And then, and then, you know, Al Capone, how did he get, you know, wind up in Alcatraz? It wasn't because of all the people he murdered. It was because of tax evasion. So that's how they get you. And so make sure that if you sell any crypto, talk to an accountant about what you should do with it to report it. Don't just go to H&R Block. If you have crypto, even if you only sold it for a few bucks, make sure you get it reported correctly because that is going to bite a lot of people. And when you buy and sell stocks, it's regulated. So you get a, what's called a 1099B, which reports your what's, what's called your basis, which is your investment in that stock and what you sold it for so that you're, you can easily calculate your capital gain. Crypto is reported the same way. And, and I want to caveat this with I'm not a crypto expert, so I can talk high level, but if you if you bought if you made a lot of money on crypto, definitely find someone who's a crypto expert. But high level is treated like capital gains, where you need to report your basis or what you paid for that specific coin that you're selling, and then the sales price on that specific coin. So so you need to make sure that you are reporting that on your tax return. Otherwise, you know, just like with new business owners, suddenly three or four years will go by and you forgot that Shiba Inu went to the moon and you sold it. And, you know, and, and then even if it was only, you know, $5,000, suddenly interest and penalties and everything is going to come back to bite you and, and mm. every gain you made from it will go to taxes. Jeez Louise. So, so the cost of not filing and then them coming back and saying, hey, we audit you three years later can be you know worse than the gains or worse than reporting the gains yeah. in the first place because of penalties, interest, all the accruing over the years. Right. Yeah. So just make sure you make sure you file it and you know if if you you know if you only made a few bucks on it then you know you could probably go talk to just your, your local accountant, but if you made any sort of real money on it I'd definitely speak with a crypto ex someone who like deals in that space. So can people go back in time and you know like refile they're like shit man i forgot i sold oh, yeah. bitcoin last that's year that's called an amended return you get so you can go back and file up to three years okay so people you know if you if you sold that crypto last year you're good just do an yeah. amended return and if if and, and that's as far back as the irs can go too unless they detect fraud so mm. so if you've got a return that's four years old from four four years ago then it, there's just nothing anybody can do about it, you or the IRS. So the statute of limitations of the IRS is, you know, three years, basically, unless yeah, you're and it, unless you know, they, fraudulent unless they activities. Fraudulent activity, then they can go back much longer than that. It's good to know. Ooh. Well, guys, I know you got a lot of different uh, perspectives and, and, you know, game-changing thoughts. Content and, and, Yeah, I mean, we talk about a, a lot you know, of cool crypto. stuff. You know, running a business with a family member. Shit, you know? Um, a lot of cool stuff. So, Tyler, again, thank you so much for your time, man. Yeah, Where dude. is the best place for people to, to get in contact with you? Yeah, so they can you know, follow me on Instagram at Tyler McBroom. Um, shoot me a DM and say hello. Um, or if... Uh, if they want to pick up a copy of my book, Cash Flow and Grow, you can go to tylermcbroom.com and I'm giving it away for free. If they just cover the shipping, you can get a free copy of my book. Awesome. And learn all the habits and routines of 
that they need in their business. And, and, and yeah, then we can stay in touch that way too. Yeah. And then he's got that badass, uh, that badass group cash profit accelerator. Um, go follow, go follow Tyler on Instagram. Get this man Gems. to a million, right? He's Gems. so close to a million. So get this man over to a million and, uh, guys, you know, you know, the deal, we give you amazing guests like Tyler. And what we ask for in return is you guys giving us some love, refer this episode to a friend. I'm sure there's someone in your ecosystem that could use some tax help from someone like Tyler, share this episode. Yeah. Uh, it helps helps your friend out, helps Tyler grow, helps us and our show grow. Give us a five-star review. Give us some love. That's how we can keep bringing some badasses like Tyler. Because uh, I know you guys got a ton of value out of this because I know we did. And uh, this, was, uh, this was an awesome episode. So again, Tyler, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and uh, showing us some love. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Peace. Peace.